0: Hello, and welcome to the perpetual traffic podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business so you as a business can achieve your vision. And this week... We are going to be borrowing from probably one of the best Google Ads Black Friday, Cyber Monday episodes on the podcast planet that I've ever heard. And it just so happens to be from our sister podcast over at the Customer Acquisition Show, which is hosted by our VP of Marketing, Tom Meredith, and also has a YouTube channel But today's conversation is all about Google Ads and success for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And we've got two of our Google Ads specialists, Surid and Rachna, on this week's show. And instead of getting them on here, they did such a great job there. We're just going to borrow from their show and put it here at Perpetual Traffic, which By the way, the Customer Acquisition Show is an amazing podcast, covers a lot of things that we don't cover here on Perpetual Traffic, a little bit more broad-based, so I'd highly encourage you to check that out just unto itself. But today, we're going to be going into Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We were going to do our Black Friday, Cyber Monday show as we always do every year with one of our meta ad specialists. And that individual is now fighting a war in Israel. So unfortunately, he can't make it. But according to a lot of our meta ad specialists, our Facebook and Instagram specialists, a lot of the things that were mentioned last year are the same things that apply here today so we're going to leave links for that episode in the show notes as well as the video for that as well as the original video for the customer acquisition show with tom rachna and surid so they're going to be talking about demand gen campaigns for black friday cyber monday never heard anybody talk about that specifically how to use that for upper funnel traffic specifically They also talk about something that we've discussed here many times on the show, which is the ACC model, which is the awareness consideration conversion model. How does that relate over to Google, especially now, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, where there's this feeding frenzy going on, as well as where performance max fits in in the overall equation and search themes, something I don't think Kasim and I have ever talked about here on the show so you definitely want to hear about that. And this keywordless future for Google Ads, which is absolutely fascinating. So definitely check that out, as well as Rushna and Suri to give you some tips and advice as the landscape on Google Ads is fast changing right at the end. So definitely check out what they have to say here from our sister podcast, The Customer Acquisition Show. Take it away, Tom, Suri and Rushna.
1: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear. using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Well, let's
2: hop into some Google Ads. We'll talk about Google Ads for Black Friday, some of the things that are working now or new in Google Ads. And then, Roshna will talk a little bit about you know you've been spending a lot of time on new accounts coming in and auditing those and seeing some common mistakes that people make. But the big thing today is Black Friday. It's right around the corner. How should people start changing their mindset for Google Ads, if anything at all, now that we're like three weeks out from it?
3: For me, I would say that things As often as possible, every six months, things which had worked for us before is completely changed. So the more you have to keep experimenting in order to identify what is more likely to work for the next season. So one thing for sure is like what worked for you last Black Friday, Cyber Monday is not probably going to be the set of the campaigns that you had run before going to run and work this time so everything in terms of also demand gen coming into the picture and with performance max losing a little bit of capabilities of capturing the top of the funnel I think that right now it's more focused in testing new things and making sure that now it works when the actual season comes in so that would be a few things that I would recommend what about you Sarenth?
1: Yeah, and adding on to Rach- Rachna's point with the introduction of demand gen, I have seen almost every account now have the functionality to utilize demand gen campaigns. And the demand gen is a campaign time type, type which I feel could be really useful during Black Friday promotions. So demand, what I have seen so far with demand gen, it's a lot like facebook ads interface and it's have a lot of targeting potential it goes to google discovery as well as youtube so you don't have to limit yourself within the merchant center promos or extensions and rsa headlines and things like that which used to be the norms before in google ads so you can potentially leverage demand gen to generate some awareness for the upcoming sales that you are going to have in your store. I am really excited for this Black Friday and
2: really want to test demand gen as well and
1: see how it turns out.
3: Absolutely, I agree with you.
2: We've been talking about demand gen quite a bit. Can you go over what demand gen campaigns are within Google? And it replaces something, right? Yeah, so demand
1: gen replaced discovery. So with demand gen, Google has merged the discovery placement as well as some of the YouTube placements. So it's a combination of both. I mean, within a demand gen campaign, you can have discovery ads like before, as well as you can have video ads.
2: And you're talking about demand gen being like ideal for top of the funnel and awareness. Can you talk a little bit about like why and what sort of assets you should be putting in these campaigns?
3: Yep. Yep, I'll take that. So with the demand gen, it's basically how Google introduced that product. It was specifically focused that the minimum requirement to run a demand gen is not your usual search or Pmax. It's a minimum $10,000 are required to run a single demand gen because the audience size is always going to be bigger because it's awareness based audiences. It's basically more YouTube focused as compared to last time it was more image focused. Focus or your product fees focus. There was no capability to have the videos in there. So um, Google is definitely utilizing more of the YouTube inventory to show more people into these platforms. There are a few other requirements that Google had made sure that you have to optimize your conversion actions. So as in like when you're running a consideration or a conversion based campaign, you have to optimize your campaign based off the purchase or the final action that you want your user to take. But with demand gen, Google is like, what you can do is you can optimize for add to cart. You can optimize for view page. You can optimize for the secondary metrics that we usually were never going for with the consideration and conversion. So that's where things change in terms of Google pushing more into the ACC model where your uh, standard search, shop, shopping, performance max, fall under the consideration and conversion phase. For awareness specifically, we always considered YouTube to be the first go, the display to be the alternative. But then there was this lack, there was this requirement to have another whole set of full funnel campaign where you only focus on building the audiences and warm them up with the awareness based campaign. So that's where the demand gen comes into the picture. The ads, so it said it's so much looks like Facebook ads interface. So that's how you have your campaign and then you have your ad set and then you have your ads. So the interface is like exactly so much identical to Facebook. So it gives you the sense of your alternative social campaign on Google Ads.
1: Also, one thing I'm noticing with demand gen campaign, like Krajna mentioned, it's really designed to drive that top of the funnel traffic. As an advertiser, like um, when we launch campaign, or I mean, if you try this for conversion based campaign and optimize for your purchase conversion action, what I have seen so far that a lot of engaged view and view through conversions are coming through demand gen, which on the surface, it looks, it's doing exceptionally great. But when looked into deeper, it's target lot and lot retargeting customers if you're optimizing for purchase and if you're using audience signals, which have might have retargeting audiences. So few things to consider, like I have seen, uh, I mean, it's still very early, but what I have seen in demand gen, it's better if you go for that upper funnel traffic I mean, if you retarget audience, if you use retargeting audience within demand gen, what I have seen so far that it reports a lot of conversion, but there are a lot of engaged view as well. So I'm not sure whether demand gen has been really contributing on creating that demand. So that's a few things to consider when running demand gen, I would say.
2: All right. So we're thinking of demand gen, top of funnel, like awareness. What objectives should people be generally thinking of to use here, but specifically leading into Black Friday?
3: I think the product page views would be good. It depends. So much depends on your budget, really. If you have a good budget you want to really focus on awareness-based, then you would optimize for, let's say, add to cart secondary objective or initiate checkout or something like that. But then again, it depends on the product that you're offering, the budget you have, the well-done audiences you can give, the assets you have. So I also think that the earlier somebody adapts to demand gen, is likely to get more results than somebody who opts in at the later stage. This is what we realized with performance max also. The early adopters were getting better results and the more people who didn't have the option to avoid in, they were auto updated. then start the performance max started going more towards the retargeting audiences. So I think that demand gen could work, but then it has to be so much, it's subjective, the likelihood of it working.
2: So with demand gen top, and then where does performance max fit in now? Like is it still because we always thought of like performance max being like, oh, Google's trying to go for top of funnel, but now they've got demand gen there.
3: Yeah, I'm not still sure. When it comes to search and shopping, top of funnel, yes. But when it comes to display and YouTube, top of funnel, no, because the volume of audiences on display and YouTube is always larger than the audiences on search and shopping. So you need a whole nother campaign for that when we talk about top of the funnel. When you are only talking about capturing the top of funnel with search and shopping, with Performance Max, I would rather run standard shopping, which is still a good option, by the way, and then search standalone campaign to have more visibility on how much you're capturing the top of the funnel.
1: And also with Performance Max, since we can't really control which channel it goes into, And what I have seen over time, once Performance Max start receiving those conversion data, it leans towards some specific channels. Say for example, if you're an e-commerce brand and running Performance Max, your Performance Max campaign are going to lean towards the shopping network more and more compared to, and in some, for a different advertiser, it, it could completely different story altogether. So with performance max, there are chances that even though it serves in all network, it could be inclined towards a single channel. Then it's always better to have channel specific campaigns. Say For example, if you want to build your top of the funnel awareness campaign, it's always better to build YouTube campaigns for that and not really completely rely upon performance max. So that is also
2: another thing.
3: The hype for performance max has eventually died.
2: Yeah, just chasing the new thing now, demand gen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so back to Black Friday. I know, Sarit, you'd put together a Black Friday checklist. Did you want to run us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so for Black Friday, I would say like when preparing for Black Friday, it's ideal to finalize the offer that you are going to have at least 15 to 20 days before. So that you can prepare all the assets all the promotions that you are going to run on the account so that is very essential because if you are doing performance max with black friday you need to have those asset groups ready to launch when black friday hits usually performance max asset groups take 24 hours maybe more to get approved but during the holiday season it could take longer and if you are so it's always better to finalize your offer beforehand as a first step, prepare all the asset groups that you are going to run for Black Friday promotion. And in Google, there are a quite lot of audiences from Google. Like Google literally have an audience that is named Black Friday Shoppers. So plan those audiences, plan all the audiences that you are going to retarget. If you are planning to retarget your Existing website visitors who have made some action in your website but has not purchased, you want to retarget them back with some attractive discount or offer during the Black Friday. Have a plan beforehand and make sure to keep all those asset groups ready. I mean, you can create those asset groups beforehand, keep them as paused, and set up an automated rule to turn it back on when the Black Friday goes live. So that is, I would say, the first step in preparation for black friday also another huge part is the merchant center promotions especially for the large e-commerce brands and if you have different promotions going on for different products for different brand if you are a retailer which sells multiple brands and if you have different discounts for different brands you should prepare everything beforehand in the google merchant center So, that there is no last minute rush and the merchant center promotion is also approved. So, I would say these two are the major part of the preparation. What do you say, Rachel?
3: Absolutely. Definitely. One more thing is the actual sale of the Black Price Cyber Monday starts even before the date really begins. So, that's again, as you said, it should be prioritized before the event, not in the period of the event. So I'm starting to see Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale going on for my favorite apps right now. And I'm like, you know, I have to get it right now. So it's already restarted. So you should be already prepared.
2: I've seen the same thing. I've actually bought a couple Black Friday things already.
3: <laughs> Me too.
2: Funny how it's extended this so much earlier and trying to capture people's money earlier. And really, I think it is smart to start Black Friday, actually beginning in November, because it gives you time to adjust and not exactly. be so like dependent on that weekend, really. Because that weekend, if you don't plan before, or even if you do plan, you're still kind of guessing what's gonna happen there. But if you start November 1st, then you can start adjusting so that by the time Black Friday really hits, you have everything dialed in, everything's approved, and you don't have to worry about any sort of external variability that you would normally have if you just hope for the best during that period of time.
1: Definitely with performance, Max, since it's dependent a lot on the conversion data, So if you start your Black Friday sale early, it's going to get those useful data and useful conversion data to optimize for. And if you start your sale early, you will also have plenty of time to test what creatives is working best, what are the things that is working well and what is not. Like you said, Tom, you can make adjustment based on that.
3: Absolutely.
2: And then maybe last Black Friday thing, how do you think of where Google sits within somebody's overall advertising plan?
3: It's definitely not just Google. So if somebody comes in and say, okay, I'm just going to put all my eggs into Google Baskin, then you've already lost all your eggs. So you have to have multiple baskets of Facebook, your social media strategy, your SEO strategy, your Google Ads paid search and social. So Google Ads is a one of a very small part of it. When we talk about a funnel, it basically falls under the bottom of the funnel. When we talk about bottom of the funnel, these are the people who are either aware of the problem, okay, now they're looking for a solution, or they are aware of the requirement they wanted, like the inbound traffic on search. So if you are a business where people are not aware of the problem, then Google Ads is not the right place for you to start. Majority of it should be spent on building the awareness around the product. And then when the enough audiences are aware of it, they're looking for that solution for that problem. Then they come to Google Ads and that's where the bottom of the funnel comes in. And you start your Google Ads. But a lot many times what happens is an experience from my past. There was a very understanding client who had run Facebook ads along with Google Ads. And so what happened, Facebook was not contributing as well as on the ROAS front, but Google was capitalizing all of that under the brand campaign. So what was happening in that phase was Facebook was building all the awareness that there is this problem and this is the solution. While everybody got introduced to the problem and solution, they came to Google looking for the solution and made a purchase on Google. So anybody, as obviously would do, is like turn off everything if they don't know this relation between the two platforms and put all the eggs in Google Ads. The Google Ads crashed, Facebook crashed, everything crashed. So understanding, as long as you understand the funnel for your business, what's your business funnel and how does a person comes in from top to bottom to the final conversion, you would know which platform stands where. Cool.
2: All right. So moving on to things that are kind of new or working now in Google Ads. What are you finding is working right now? I know we kind of hit on demand gen a little bit, Performance Max moving down the funnel. What else?
1: One thing that I have recently came across within Performance Max, you can now utilize Performance Max as a dynamic search ads campaign. So that is something that I have recently came up with. So you need to create a page feed within the business data section to do that. While you are doing that in the campaign settings, you also have to opt for enable text asset option that the performance max give, but not the final URL expansion. So that is something I have recently came across. And also I'm noticing in my DSA campaigns that there are notification from Google that upgrade your dynamic search ads to performance max. So I think eventually the dynamic search ads is going to be replaced with performance maps. So if you are running dynamic search ads,
2: maybe you should give it a try. how bet you, Roshna, anything you've noticed lately working now or any new things you're excited to try?
3: YouTube Shots is the one that I really want to test more and more. Very much potential in that placement because even Google is pushing a lot of YouTube video focused advertising in the recent time. So YouTube prospecting and YouTube shots specifically in terms of the placement sign. We have seen results as Surid, one of Sured's client once and now we are also experimenting more and probably in the next customer acquisition show, we'll share the results of that.
2: Nice.
1: Yeah, YouTube Shorts are great. I mean, what I've seen that usually the CPMs are lower compared to the other YouTube ads. And in terms of converting, it works really, really well. So you can attach feeds with YouTube Shorts. It's literally a you interesting shop now button, which opens up the product feed just below the video section and you can directly go into the product. So it's really working well for me in some of the accounts. So I'm definitely excited to test it out combined with Gen and Gen also have the placement for YouTube Shops. So I am excited to try combining YouTube Shorts videos, which are performing really well with demand gen asset and see how that goes, whether we see performance improvement with that or a short standalone works better. That is also another another thing to test.
0: Yeah. great.
3: Even Google made it so obvious on the list of requirements to run demand gen. is like, if there's anything working for you on social platforms, put it here and rerun the campaign. I was like, what are you going to (laughs) do?
2: Very subtle. Something else that's kind of new with Google we have down is search themes. Can you explain those a little bit, what they are, what the promise is?
3: Search theme is basically like all this while Google was more focused towards keywords. Like you can create custom audiences. You give a list of target keywords and it automatically creates an audience to target for prospecting. Now it's more like You still have that option, but the new search theme allows you to give only 10 keywords. So you can list down all your 10 performers, top 10 keywords, and then you can put it under a search theme. And that way, Google identifies a common audience which can be targeted related to those 10 keywords that you're putting. Now, our way to look at it is that Google is eventually going to be keywordless. So you're not going to have that much of capability to target like these are the 100 keywords I want to go forward. Rather, it's going to be audience focused. So it's like getting your users of your Google Ads used to the new concept, which is audience targeting or keywords targeting. That's all about it. Again, it's similar to custom audience that we had earlier, but it just renamed, repackaged, with new, somewhat similar things. Google likes to do that non- a non-
2: Yeah. So if Google's getting away from keywords. What's that look like for advertisers? How do they identify their audience? Or is it just putting in, like you said, 10 keywords? Is it even less than that in the future?
3: Yeah, of course. So I think the last Google... Announcement that happened, everybody was like so shocked because that was the first time Google used the word keywordless. So everybody was like, mm, okay. So now they're starting to use the word. Everybody was already speculating that's going to happen. So a lot of measures like pushing more broad keywords over match types. The first step will be sunsetting match types. So, Google cannot just like you have no option but to do audience targeting. There'll be steps, like small baby steps, to take all of us used to keywordless campaigns. So, the first thing, which is already there, like we can see, we can run a performance max campaign just by giving your website. So what the future is like, your keywords should be already on your website. So if you have your homepage, then your homepage should be built with a very good SEO where your main seed keywords are your homepage. Every product page should be optimized with the keywords on your product page. Like this is the product page, these are the top non-brand search keywords that I want to go after. So the future looks like that where you don't have to give keywords because your website is going to automatically do that. Now, if there is, let's say top of the funnel audiences that you want to target, which we call the informational intent is going to be from your blog post. Like you have so many blog posts coming through, you'll have your informational intent from your blog post. Bottom of the funnel intent is going to be from the home page, Middle of the funnel intent is going to be on the product page. So that's how you can start to imagine how would the keywordless future look like.
1: Also, I would say, Rachna, in this regard, this is already happening with the more and more introduction of broad match keywords. So with broad match keywords, Google already looks at those signals like the content on your landing page. And it created in such a way that it could... Go really broad based on where Google see there are opportunity for conversion. So you with the broad match keyword that you provide to Google that just a starting point for Google to decide which theme to work on, and Google can go really really broad. I have seen in broad match the search term for which the ad has appeared for. I mean it's completely different. I mean I would not say completely different. It was definitely relevant but with other match type, we never thought that it, it could trigger. So I would say it's already happening. And the introduction of search theme is first step from Google to get away from the keywords and match types and test it out how it goes. And one thing that I'm noticing in performance max right now, you can provide both, like the, you can provide audience signals as well as the search theme in some of the accounts. So I'm interested to test like what is the difference in the performance we can see. Say, for example, I have two asset groups. In one asset group, I am using the keywords within the audience signal. And in another asset group, I'm testing the keywords as search theme and see whether there is a difference in performance. And we can measure that since now Google provides asset group level performance data. So that is also another interesting thing to see if we provide search theme whether it goes more towards search networks compared to if you don't provide search theme so that is also another idea that we could definitely experiment on
0: absolutely
2: yeah, we have a comment from ramachandra saying i think search themes just signal not precise keyword targeting it comes with the challenge of keyword cannibalization with search campaigns Any thoughts on this hard transition we humans have for giving up control while also looking for machine learning optimization?
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely. I mean, since it's search themes and audience signals, it's not completely targeting. I mean, you are not targeting your campaigns to go for those keywords only. It's more of a signal and Google can go pretty broad beyond that, whereas with search campaigns, I mean Google with broad match Google can go pretty broad but it still have to be within a certain restriction And in terms of the keyword cannibalization, yes, if you are running search campaigns and performance max campaign in parallel, you're definitely going to see some overlap between your search campaign and performance max campaign. But I would say that's okay as long as it's not completely still performance max is completely going towards brand. If it's going towards brand, we have now the brand exclusion, I think, within performance max to control that. For non brand campaign and I would not say it would matter a lot even if there's some overlap. What do you think, Rajna?
3: Absolutely. So for me, what I am looking at as sort is of this like you let me know if that's what you think. A broad match keyword in itself is acting like a search theme. Yeah, because it's just the intent that it holds. A search theme collection of 10 keywords is a intent that it holds the audience signal that you're giving. The more broad match keywords you have, the more overlap is going to be there. So my way of looking at this is like when you have a search theme targeted on your performance max, you have identified a certain category that works for you and you can put that into the search so maybe with a phrase or exact, although they don't really work as much, but that's a tighter targeting. But then again, as you said, it depends on which performance is performance max acting as a more top of the funnel, or your search is you want to keep it as a more top of the funnel and not the performance max. It completely depends. The interesting thing about broad match, which recently was you know disclosed by Google, was that your broad match always takes in additional signals in optimizing your campaign then your phrase and exact match. So when you are running an exact match and a phrase match, it does not take a lot of data signals in optimizing that campaign. So for example, phrase and exact match campaigns do not take into consideration what other campaigns, so the keywords are running in your campaign, it disregards that. Like what's on your landing page, is that relevant it disregards that. But there are additional signals used by broad match. So when that happens, I am like all in for search and broad match, so-called broadomation. So not going for performance max in getting more top of the funnel. I would always prefer the search campaign to do that. Performance max will always come in scooping all of my warm audience that I created from search brought top of the funnel. So it kind of works in together. But if you focus performance max to do the top of the funnel, I don't think so. it really works well. So yeah, that's my way to look at it. And what I
1: have seen with performance max, the more and more supplementary campaigns that you have, channel specific campaigns that you have, performance max tends to work better. So for example, Account A, you are running performance max only, like two or three performance max and letting it do all its job versus account B, where you have one performance max. But you also have high performing campaigns on each of the channel. Say, for example, you have a YouTube video campaign, you have a search campaign, brand and non-brand search. You also have standard shopping campaigns and you run performance max on top of it. I have seen that Performance Max works better on that scenario rather than running it completely standalone. Because initially, Performance Max gathers data from all the other campaign that you have and is going to capitalize based on the conversion data that you are getting from the other campaigns. So it's always better to have campaigns for channel-specific campaigns, especially for the channels which is working which was working really well for you. Say for example, if in your account, if search has always been a great performer, so you should always continue on search even if you're running performance max, or if shopping has always been a major revenue driver for your business, even if you're running Performance Max, you should have some standard shopping campaign as well. You could potentially segregate which products to run in Performance Max and which products to run on standard shopping and can decide whether for a specific products you want to run Performance Max only or standard shopping only because oftentimes you can see like if you're running both standard shopping and Performance Max for a single product set, the standard shopping would start to spend very, very less. Yeah. You could have different product targeting for standard shopping and different product targeting for Performance Max, but it's still good to have those channel-specific campaigns. I have seen Performance Max works better, in fact, when you have those.
2: Absolutely. I agree with you. Excellent. Well, for the last few minutes here, I think, Roshna, you've spent a lot of time lately working with some of our newer clients coming on and really auditing their accounts and even as part of like the sales and scoping process. So I want to take a little bit of time and let you run with things that you've noticed, things that maybe some common mistakes and how people could really think about Google Ads differently
3: the most common, I would say, is people sticking to things so desperately what's worked in two years bang and is like hoping that this is going to continue to work. It's just about like one more month of spending. It's going to work. But it doesn't because Google's changed completely. So that's a few of the things I would say is like moving on and keeping up to date with the changes is very important in order for you to make the real money out of your budget. The second thing, which is I'm so surprised that it's still continued to be the most common mistake is conversion tracking. Nobody is taking that seriously. I would say I've seen one out of the three accounts that I have been optimizing with Nink. It's been that they're optimizing either for add-to-cons, they're optimizing for page views they are optimizing it's just for a person who is always into google ads like a nerd for me it kills me to see is like oh my god that's a lot of money to be spent just because you're not aware of it people are not defining their primary and secondary objective within google ads just the very basic statement that i give is you have to give right directions to the machine the machine is not going to be intuitive. Is like, what do you want? I understand what you want. So unless you don't give right direction, right time, right assets, it's not going to do the magic on its own. So that's where we lack. The thing with the conversion tracking or having a proper strategy or anything, very crucial. The third thing is still going on is focused on conversions. That's it. Optimized conversions as it. nobody understands the funnel. How does a funnel work? So when you don't understand the funnel, on where your audience is right now, what messaging should be there, what campaign should be there, what should the target be for that audience who is under the awareness stage? I've seen a lot many times YouTube campaigns being optimized for a high ROAS targets, whereas it's just a brand awareness campaign. So you judging your campaigns' performance based of how much ROAS does it get for a brand awareness, it's again a wrong way to do it. And there are other metrics that come into the picture when you are doing brand awareness. Besides than not tracking the right value or double counting your conversions, that happens a lot because agencies or anybody who is managing the account wants to look good. So what they do is they double count the conversions. So the ROAS looks high. And the client and the person who's managing is all happy, happy. But what's really happening is until they come to us and we do the SGPs like, yo, this is what is happening. There's like, we were not aware of this. That's something that common things I've seen.
2: So you could talk a little bit about the difference because you talked about conversion tracking and people optimizing for the wrong events. But then you also talked about optimizing for events at the right stage of the funnel. How do you kind of differentiate those two? when you're doing these audits?
3: So when you have, uh, let's say, a non-brand search campaign running, okay? You have your offline conversion and everything is going on. You do identify there are a lot of leads are coming through, okay? But that is not translating into the ROAS. So the problem is not really that the leads are not coming through. It's just your lead to sale is break. There is a break between your lead sale ultimately what happens when we don't identify these loops that people are coming onto the page you're getting all these clicks and ctr people are spending so much time on the website but they end up not taking an action a lot many times what happens it's not the fault of the campaign it's the fault of your landing page that they either don't find the cta or the offer is not compelling enough so when you're optimizing a campaign based off your let's say cpa or based off your roas a lot many times it's not that the pausing the campaign would solve everything. It's you identifying the other breaks that are happening in between. So when I'm running a brand awareness campaign, I have to see the pattern that people are clicking, they're adding to card, then there's a natural and a flow happening. As long as it's happening, then you're building an awareness base. And if that does not translate into a ROAS, that's okay. Because you can always retarget with an improved offer. So Also giving the importance between the stages, these metrics of what's the view rate like, what's the CTR like, what's the bounce rate like, add to cards, the stages where the user interacts, there shouldn't be like an unnatural drop. If that happens, then you identify the problem. So when it's a conversion-based, you definitely have to optimize for the ROAS and the CPAs. But when you're talking about awareness-based, ROAS is not the metrics to judge it for.
1: Circling back to your point regarding this, Rachna, I would say this is very important to have a third party attribution software right now in 2023, I would say, because without that, when you are optimizing the campaign, you are not able to see the complete picture. And the example that you gave, say, for example, you are running a brand awareness campaign, or maybe you are running a YouTube campaign and you see ROAS is low and you kill it but maybe that YouTube campaign was bringing in a lot of new users which were converting from other channels. So I would say having attribution software in this regard is very crucial to judge this. And you should define KPIs based on your upper funnel campaign should not have the same KPI as your bottom of the funnel campaign. And you can only have that complete picture when you're using an attribution software. Absolutely.
2: Nice. Great. Any final thoughts on Google Ads, Black Friday, things you're excited for towards the end of the year?
3: Demand, Jen. Demand. I want to test more and more as much as
2: possible. And yeah, me too.
3: Setting up Black Friday as early as possible, getting all the things done on the checklist that should shared. Yeah, that's me. What about you, Saran? Yeah, What's keeping you that, up at night? That's
1: pretty much it. Apart from that, also, I am Excited to see how it changes for standard shopping. After October, Google sunsetted the enhanced CPC bidding in standard shopping campaign. Now all the enhanced CPC biddings are working as manual bidding. So in November, I'm excited to see how it has impacted my campaigns, which was in standard shopping. Previously using enhanced CPC and now it is in manual bid. Does it change anything? So that is also another thing I'm excited to test right now. Or is it the same? I mean, it have not mattered much.
3: If you do the retrospective of you being a paid search specialist, the only thing that I have learned is change. As quickly as you change, is the better results you get. It's like if I see the last two years where Google Ads was like. Two years back, and now it's like another platform altogether. Things work differently. It's completely changed. So, yeah, that's been the most exciting part of us being the search specialist. It's always Google keeps it interesting every month.
0: All right. So make sure that you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We are now on YouTube podcasts as well. So check that out. We'll leave a link in the show notes for that. We're fresh over on that side. I don't even know what to call it. It's called YouTube Podcast. So check that out wherever you're listening or wherever you are watching. Of course, you can watch us over on our YouTube channel as well. Like I said, we'll leave links in the show notes for the original version of the show through the Customer Acquisition Show, but you can check out the Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Make sure that you do subscribe so you don't miss any videos that we have there. We produce about a 100 or so pieces of content every single week, all from either these shows or from original content. So check that out on shorts as well. And of course, all resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com for that. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic.